Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Atherton and Young, your shot of information, motivation, and inspiration. I'm Pam Atherton. 
And I'm optimistically Cat Young. Yeah, you know, see, here's the deal. Um, I don't know about you. I am not a morning person. And so all the years that I did morning radio, I was getting up between 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning and hating it, hating it. But you can't go on the air at 6 o'clock and go, hey, how you doing? I hate being here. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, the, the listeners are all like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I don't want to be here either. So here's the question. Why would you even go to bed in the first place? <laughs> there were nights that it was only three or four hours of sleep and I would have to get up. I, I would think to myself, I can't make it, I can't make it, I can't make it. And I would say, just drag yourself, do one more thing. And I would drag myself. And I can tell you, every morning by the time I was on the air at 6 o'clock, it was always, good morning, it's 6 o'clock or 6.03, blah, blah, blah. Because I had a boss who once said, I don't pay you to not be in a good mood. So I was like, okay. So I figured out, and, and I have, there are a couple of things that I do, but one way I do it is through music. If I get up in the morning and I really have to get things done, I have several playlists on my iPhone and on Groove Shark that are like move, move, and, you know, kick an ass and stuff like that. And they're, they're very high energy songs that get my blood pumping. I used to say to my listeners, you can tell how bad my morning is by how much Bob Seger I play. <laughs> oh, I love but young, that. young people I now have to say by how much Pitbull I play. There you go. But, uh, but that helps me get going. What about you? Well, you know, I, I do two things. I, I am dependent on orange juice when I have to get up really, really early. I just know that a fresh squeezed glass of orange juice is going to get my motors revving. I do that before I even brush my teeth and I think, okay, so I've got that happening. And then I think about what I'm looking forward to that night. Now, if I can just get through this day and stay cheerful, then I've got something fun to do at night. So I kind of bookend my day. So you look towards the future for, even though, you know, you have to get up early, you're like, it's okay because there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Yes, you know? exactly. I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm not really up at four o'clock in the morning. But you know what they say is that you fake it till you make it. What your mind does, your body follows. So, you know, pretty soon. And, and vice versa, what your body does, your mind follows. Because one of the things that I would do, I can tell you studios are not soundproof. They say they are, but they are not. And I, <laughs> I would get up in the morning. I'm going to see if I could do it really loud. It might blow away the microphone. But I would clap my hands together like a seal and make a whoop sound. So it sounds like this. And it did two things. One, it brought more oxygen into my lungs, and it, two, it got the blood flowing because of my hands and the movement. And that really kind of woke me up. Note to self, do not share a room with Pam Atherton on the road. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. For you, for everybody out there who is going, I don't want to get up, two things. Play some loud music. Get yourself going. Have some orange juice. Think about what you're going to do at the end of the day and whoop it up. There you go. There it is. Of course, we'll have that for you on the website, so you don't have to try to remember it all. Especially the whoop it up part. Yeah, just go to AthertonandYoung.com. You'll find all of that. And we want to say thanks for joining us here on Atherton and Young. I'm Pam Atherton. And I'm Kat Young. And we'll see you next time. Well, there you have it. Two outrageous women together for three or four years on the air, and nobody got arrested. It was quite remarkable. Are you talking to me, Cac? No, I'm not. I haven't introduced you yet. Okay, here she is. Um, Pam.
my darling Pamela Atherton and cohort in on-air frivolity is a 17-time award-winning radio and television personalities. She has interviewed some of the world's most interesting and substantial people. I mean, we're talking Buzz Aldrin, Madeline Albright, Ted Kennedy, and of course, Weird Al Yankovic, Willie Nelson, Cher, and that's just the beginning. Uh, for many years, she was a host and a radio personality in Los Angeles. And Carl Reiner said of her just recently, Pam, you are the best at what you do. So she has accolades from the people she's interviewed. She has impressed many people. She has wowed me for years. And she's worked on a famous show, The Real Don Steele Show, in the early 70s. Pam learned how to do radio right. Her show was a top-rated morning show, and she won many awards for news. So I wanted to bring her on this show because Pam has had a very interesting life. She has a lot of fans. She has a lot of pull. And she's gone through a lot of changes. So I just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a week ago, which is Quentin Tarantino's love letter to Hollywood. It was centered in the 60s in Los Angeles when the real Don Steele show reigned supreme on KHJ and K-Earth. So you were part of that show. Pam, you're famous, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're here. Welcome. Tell us about it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be on this. When you asked me, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're getting the, the, the team back together again. Because we had so much fun when we did Atherton and Young. We did, and you were so good. You ran the, the studio elements of that. You did the recordings. Uh, it, it was just such fun and so rich, and I loved hearing a piece back because we had so much fun. We did, and, you know, I'd forgotten how much I loved that music that we used for the intro and the outro. And the other thing was, um, I, I think you neglected to say that you might have on occasion put vodka in that orange juice. <laughs> no, no, that was just in high school when I was, you know, with those nuns, those semi-cloistered nuns. Yeah, I did have a little vodka early in the morning, but that was that was just when I was 13 and 14. I, I got out over that when I got to college. <laughs> Well, to answer your question, yeah, I did. I worked for The Real Don Steele in 1974 when he was at K100, and they actually fired him from there. And, you know, when you're young and stupid, I was 17 or 18 at the time, I uh, didn't want to work for a station that would fire The Real Don Steele. So I called up KHJ and actually asked to speak to the program director, which would be the equivalent of you calling up Kellogg and asking to speak to the CEO. And the weird part was I think I so blew people away that because that was so unexpected that they put me through to him. His name was Jerry Peterson, and I said to him, listen – 
I'm the secretary for the Real Don Steel over at K100, and I don't want to work for a show. I don't want to work for a station that's going to fire the Real Don Steel. I want to come and work for you. And he said, okay. So I moved <laughs> over to KHJ, and I worked with the likes of Billy Pearl and J.B. Stone and um, some of the really well-known newscasters, and really a, a wonderful experience for me. Wow. Well, that, I mean, it was so powerful. Quentin Tarantino has now cast that into a movie and made those those times in Hollywood, uh, at, you know, as I certainly remember them, vivid and in the minds yeah. of people to bring back what it was like then, how absolutely uh, um, uh, enjoyable it was, but it was creating an entire culture. And you were part yeah, of that, he was, Pam. He was- he was totally on target with it. And I have to say that I had an actual visceral reaction when I heard Don's voice. Uh, I mean, it was just like, whoa. And the music that they played, I'm going to buy the soundtrack because it was songs that weren't the famous number ones that we're used to. There were a couple of them, but they were some that were, you know, played at the time that may not have charted very high. But you were like, oh, man, I forgot that song. Oh, yeah, and just the traveling down Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard and seeing the supply yeah. sergeant and some of the record uh, companies. <laughs> it was just it was a totally amazing to me, a complete throwback to a time when it was really safe to walk the streets and people had joy in their hearts, they were happy, and even though yeah. there was a war going on, the country was alive from its socks to its toes. I mean, from it to its yeah. from its to its head. It was just a, an amazing time. I'm I'm glad we were part of that. So you did all of this. I mean, you did interviews, you did news, you did commentaries, you did pretty much anything you wanted to in that environment. So. Talk to me about some of the moments that really changed your life and shaped your career. Well, you, you know, how that all came about was I was in college and, and I was going to be an actress. And, you know, back then you had to be thin and short and, you know, beautiful and perky. And, you know, that just wasn't me. I'm, you know, I'm 5'11". So, I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. So, and plus the acting people, you know, you, you've been in the industry for, you know, decades. You know that actors are fruity. They're weird. They're, they're divas. They're crazy. And I just didn't like that atmosphere. So I turned to my love, another love that I had, which was writing or journalism. And I became, uh, I moved up the ranks and it was time for me to be the editor of the college newspaper. And I had to, because of the way it was written, the, the, you know, your major, you had to take radio and you had to take television. And just to show you what it was like in the early 70s, for those of you who are not as old as Kak and I are, there were only two females in the radio class and two females in the uh, television class, my, me and my friend Cynthia Johnson. And that's because no women uh, had a, a, a radio show at the time unless they were doing overnights in New York and they were like the night bird or turquoise, you know, you just, it just wasn't done. Um, but we had to take the classes. So here I was just about to be the editor of the college newspaper, and my radio television uh, professor called me up and said, look, the real Don Steele needs a secretary. Uh, do you want the job? It's $3.25 an hour. 
And man, I really had to ham and haw because I had to, if I did it, I had to give up the college uh, editor of the college newspaper. But the real Don Steele, uh, for those who you know aren't aware of how important radio was at the time, he was as famous in Los Angeles and around those areas as Howard Stern. Um, he had his own television show, the real Don Steele show. He was an icon. And so to be able to work for him was really worth it for me. And I learned a lot from him. You know, he was wild. He was crazy. He was over the top. He was all those things. But he's very famous for what we call talking up to the vocals, which means you just kept talking and, and you know, everything until the, the words started being sung. And he well, taught me. Yeah, he it, did that. And he was also a hit maker and a star maker. And people yeah. wanted to be played by Don Steele because it, it gave them, you know, a, a, a sign that they were going to, that they could make it from then on. You, if you weren't played by Don Steele, you you weren't going to reach that star as quickly as you wanted to. Yeah, he was, he was just so iconic. And, and again, the television show was another one and you I think have we lost you, Pam, or have we lost me? I okay, still have, we're having a technical problem. Are you there? I still have uh, you, Cac. I don't hear um, Pam. Okay, uh, uh, we have well, lost I, her. Let us wait for her to come back on and call us. I think. And I you want to go ahead. Yes, I'll play the other clip, and uh, she just dropped off. She's probably calling back in. Yes, I think that's great. Go ahead and play the second clip, and we'll wait for her to connect back in. Will do. Welcome to Atherton and Young, your shot of information, motivation, and inspiration. I'm Pam Atherton. And I'm Cac Young. And we're glad you're here with us today. Do you know, Pam, that your desk tells secrets about you when you're not there? Well, I have to be careful to hide things then, you nosy Parker. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, are you the kind of person who likes to keep things in sight so that you'll accomplish them? You know, I'm kind of funny. Like when I'm in the studio, everything is exactly in the same place every time. It's neat. It's uh, where it should be. My office, not so much. I have papers on it, but I know where everything is. Well, Pam Young and Peggy Jones, who were the sidetracked home executives, uh, they say that you're either born organized or you're born sidetracked. And it's genetic, like having blue eyes or brown eyes. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true, that you are one or the other. Yes, I agree. And there is a little bit of a psychology behind this, too. There is a there's a certain amount of psychic space that you have in your brain. And so if you are organized and you know exactly where to go for something, uh, for example, you have a stack of things you want to accomplish and that's in an active pile, you know exactly where to go. You don't have to retain all of that information in your brain and taking up psychic space. You're released from having to think about it. So that's the valuable thing of being organized. 
Well, and I think that's why my studio is that way, because I have to talk uh, while I'm doing things. And so I need my hands to automatically do stuff so my mind can just tell whatever story it's on. Exactly, exactly. And the, the interesting thing is there's two schools of thought out there about this. For example, Albert Einstein had a very messy desk, as did yep. Mark Twain and Steve Jobs. In fact, Einstein even said, uh, if a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, then what are we to think of an empty desk? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and there's some research that just came out recently that shows that a cluttered desk is often the sign of a very creative person. Yes, it is. And, and that's also, is a creative person just kind of being wanton with that and not taking the time to organize or is it really leading to the creative spirit? And that's a very personal decision. You have to find out that for yourself. But I do have a couple of tips. If you want to get your life organized, if you want to reduce the psychic space that, uh, that a messy, disorganized desk takes up, here's what you can do. First thing you do is take everything off your desk and put it on the floor. That's right. Or, or in a bucket. That's what I do. I put it in a bucket. Okay. Yeah. Floor, bucket. And then you go through all that stuff and you throw out everything that isn't essential. And you want to get yourself two waste cans in order to do that. Yes. The third thing is you want to get the mindset that your desk is a cockpit. Keep only those things out that you frequently need. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, when I'm in the studio, that's exactly what it is. It's a cockpit for me. I've got to know where everything is so I can deal with it. I think that if we use different spaces for different things, that could really work. So your desk could be that cockpit, and then that creative side of you could be a table that's in another room. Exactly. And then you want to get a two-tiered tray for your paperwork and a to-do list. And what this does is you have an active file and you have a completed file. And on your active file, you've got to have a to-do to list so that you know that what you have to accomplish. Then you can keep it in a stack and you don't have to monkey around every, every you know, 30 minutes trying to find where, where paperwork is. It's always going to be there. And your to-do list, whether it's electronic or whether it's physical, you can just check things off that. But all you need is two files. And then you need to make time to file once a week. Put on your favorite music and just allocate 15 minutes and put stuff away, file it when you're completely done with it. And that will organize your life without crippling your creativity. Right. And if you just have trouble with that, just create a desk in, or, or a table in a whole other room, and that's where you can let that stuff go. But the desk in front of you needs to be uh, that cockpit so you have room to have the uh, psychic abilities. And we mean that psychic not looking into the future, but psychic meaning uh, in your brain. Absolutely. Uh, and if you think that you can have a messy desk, then you better be Albert Einstein, Mark Twain, or Steve Jobs. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. That's all, right. all I got. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So use those tips that we've gotten from CAC and uh, get your cockpit ready to take off and fly. That's going <laughs> to be it from it. <laughs> That's going to be it from us for today on Atherton and Young. I'm Pam Atherton and I'm CAC Young. And we'll see you next time. Sorry.
sorry, everybody, for that little technical problem, but that's the beauty of live radio. So we're back. Pamela's back. She was right in the middle of the story talking about giving up uh, the college newsletter in order to go work for the real Don Steele. Pam, take away. Yeah. Yeah, the newspaper. By the way, I just want to say I'm uh, Albert Einstein on steroids. Um, <laughs> if you look at my house, that's what you're going to think. <laughs> Could you know? Because, well, you know, you said don't you couldn't have a messy desk unless you were Einstein, and all I'm saying is that if you take a look at my house, yikes. <laughs> anyway, um, going back to the story, just that, you know, I, I gave up the, uh, the editorship of the newspaper at the college to work for Don, and he taught me a lot of really important things. And one of them is, and, and you know because we've talked about this before, it's all about the listener or the viewer or whomever. It's not about you, and this is a, an important thing. Whatever he did, he always did it with the listener in mind. He taught me to always be professional. Um, He would freak out if I was a couple of minutes late. And he was always prepared. He had everything done in time. He had a backup plan. So you always want to be professional. And if it can be done better, do it better. Don't settle. And that was him. He practiced things that he wanted to have done right until it was superb. He never made a mistake. And the, the final thing I learned from him was to give people a chance. Um, on, on his Fridays, he always ended his show with a whole repertoire of people whose last names ended with an A. So like Billie Holiday, um, Mel Torme, Edie Gourmet, things like that. And one day, he let me write that list. And wow, that's pretty big to allow a, a 17, 18-year-old to write the ending to his Friday show. So, you know, those those were some great things that I learned from him. Well, he obviously trusted you. He saw in you potential and incompetency because if if those were his rules. You know, I I love that. There uh, there have been shows that I've done where celebrities have said, "Oh, yes, and I'm going to do a talk show and I'm going to be the host of the talk show." And then when you come on the air, they just talk about themselves. Everybody right. forgot to tell them, no, it's not about you. See, that's when you're on a talk show and you're being interviewed. Now you're the interviewer, so your focus has to change. It has to be on the other person. And so many uh, people forget that in their life. Even when somebody goes on a job interview, if you put the focus yeah. on the other person, that's going to mean a lot more for you. And I love the always prepared I love the backup plan idea. I love the practicing and the rehearsing and then giving people a chance. I mean, those are fabulous things to live by, Pam, and you learned them at an early age. So how did they serve you? Well, uh, when I then eventually got into the position of having my own morning show, um, I was so strict with myself. You know, I always made sure I was prepared. There was never any dead air. Um, Just like you had something to back up when we had those technical difficulties, you always have something in your back pocket. You don't just sit there and go, well, you know, I guess things will just sit and wait for a while. So I had bacon for breakfast this morning. No, you pull something out of your back pocket because you're prepared for emergencies. And I think that really helped me to 
create the most professional show that was possible was because of learning that from him. Wow, and those those lessons are just etched in gold. If 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 people if that could spread around and if people could learn all of that, how much better A their lives would be and B our world would be. That's that's just exceptional. I hope you will put that into some kind of a teaching tool. I hope you will put that into uh, a book or something that you can share. I mean, I'm just, I'm knocked out by those points. They're simple and they are transformative. Well, you know, uh, uh, somebody else said it, not me, but it's like if if you can do better, you should. Uh, to me, there's no excuse for something to not be done the best it can be. Now, I'm not saying better than your abilities. I'm saying the best you can do. So when somebody goes, well, it's good enough, I always say, no, it's not. If it's not your best, it's not good enough. And and that's how I try to do everything. If I've done something wrong, I go back and I will fix it. Because I, you know, if it can be done right, it should be. Don't you think? Absolutely. Now, I want to know more about you on the air. You had a morning show. You were a woman. Right. It was Los Angeles. It was the 70s. What? How easy was Well, that? I wasn't on the air in the 70s. I was just uh, I was his um his secretary the the because you know nobody there were no women on the air in Los Angeles in the 70s because you know we were women. Who was going to listen to women? That was the prevailing thought. And the whole reason why women never did morning shows was because the prevailing thought was men won't listen to women. That Absolutely. And, and you know, too, from being in the business, that was it for voiceovers as well, is that if you didn't have a man telling you what kind of uh, laundry soap to use, you'd be lost as a woman. You needed a man to tell you. And, and, well, the, and, and even also, to this day, at, at that time, the drive, the drive time, as we called it in the business, the drive time, yeah. it was men going to work, not women going to work. So it's true. Right. Men hadn't been opened up yet to the fact that there is content from women. Right. And, and so my first um, <clears throat> major, I mean, I, I was a morning show host in New Mexico, but the first major market that I did was Portland, Oregon, and that was in 1996. And I was hired to be a sidekick, a laugher, you know. Um, and the guy who was the host left after a couple of weeks. And I was moved into the host slot. Now, lest we begin to think that that station was progressive, it wasn't. I was moved into that slot because I was the only one who knew how to use the computer. So <laughs> by default, I became the first female morning show host in the Portland, Vancouver market. And I'm not talking about a laugher or a sidekick or a co-host. I'm talking about the actual host. And that was in 1996. 1996, Mm. and Portland is a very big market. It has very powerful stations, and it's carried to to many many, uh, municipalities in the Northwest. Okay, so that was going on for you, and you kept, you kept uh, making inroads. You kept bringing talent into your life because you knew what it took to make a good show. Tell me about the content. How did you come up with it? How did you sustain it? 
Well, Cac, I mean, let's go back. I mean, you, you've been in the entertainment industry for an awful long time, you were. And you know that women have to do everything that a man does, only backwards and in high heels, as Ginger Rogers once said. And so not only was I the morning show host, but I was also the operations manager, and I was also, uh, I did a one-hour talk show five days a week, and I also did commercials. So, uh, you know, because I had to prove myself, right? Otherwise, they would just hire somebody else. So I put myself in the position of burnout because, by God, I was going to show that I could do it and that I was capable. And so for content, they, they did give me a producer for a while, and that was great. But I would say, this is who I want. Go go get them. But I still did all my own research. And, you know, when you talk about what things matter in life, um, <clears throat> to me, doing your homework, doing your research is absolutely, number one, the most important thing. And as you've said earlier, whether it's a job interview or, you know, or, or what it is in life, you've got to do your research. Absolutely. And I, I just want to take this moment to say, yeah, we knew that if we wanted to succeed back then, we had to be twice as good as the men. We had yep. to be probably much more silent and wait for the opportunity. And when the opportunity came by, carpe diem, baby, you seized that, you know, like, like uh, I don't know, you, you just seized right. it immediately. And you 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 did the best you could then then you took it inside of you and that's what you lived for you gave up a lot of things you sacrificed yep. your life you had no free time but that's the kind of stuff that it took to make it to where we eventually got to which was you know semi accepted now the women coming behind us have a lot better opportunity they come into an equal playing field at least it's a little bit more level and and we did that for them. You, me, and women like us, we did that for them. And I think that's something that, you know, makes me feel good. Like all that was not for naught. It really helped the the, the generation behind us and the generation behind them. So I know yeah. what you did in broadcasting. I know what you went through, and we all have horror stories. But the part that I am really interested in for this show, because this is a show about healing, and I had to do some healing. I've had to yep. go back to, you know, uh, source, if you will, back to my life source, to my vital source, in order to reestablish priorities, to reconnect with who I was, to get rid of all the trappings for a minute, and really go back to center. So I'd like to know about your journey. All of a sudden, you were burned out, you said. Now, what did that look like, and what did you do? Well, that was the start of burnout was when I was in Vancouver. Then when I went to New Mexico, uh, I did the same thing, you know, operations manager, morning show. My talk show was only once a week versus every uh, day. But at that point in time, I also had a half-hour television talk show. And uh, in 2004, a movie came to this area called Believe in Me, And I, as a gag, thought I was auditioning for uh, an extra part, and I actually ended up getting a featured player part. 
So because it was on location, as you know, they shoot six days a week on location, and I was on set five of those six days. I was doing a morning show. I was doing a one-hour talk show once a week. I was doing a half-hour television talk show once a week, and then also doing the movie, which, as you know, has crazy hours. And that was, I mean, the perfect storm for um, for overwhelm and, and burnout. And it wasn't long after that that uh, I realized I had to get out. It was I was fatigued all the time. I wasn't myself. Just things weren't right. And when I quit, um, that was actually worse because, you know, I would do the three-hour morning show and then I would drink caffeine to just keep going the rest of the day. Well, now, without that three-hour adrenaline rush in the morning, I would get up and I was doing some medical uh, work at the time. And I would get up, go see doctors, and two hours later come home and have to take a nap. And I said to my medical professional, this isn't healthy. Something's wrong here. So we did a whole lot of research and found that I was not producing enough cortisol. So I had what is often called adrenal fatigue. So I had enough in the morning, which is, of course, why I did the morning show. But then I had less than 0.3 cortisol for the rest of the day. So we started supplementing with Cortef, which is a bioidentical hormone, uh, bioidentical for, for cortisol. And this is really where the next segment of my problems happened. I was fine on Cortef. I started having more energy. I started doing great. But nine months after I started the Cortef, I got what's called blepharospasm, and that's where your eyes are constantly blinking and you can't stop them. And nobody knew why because, you know, it had been nine months since I'd started the Cortef. Nobody put in place that it could be from the Cortef. So I stopped everything, learned how to control it, did acupuncture, thought I was going to finally get over it, and then a problem happened in my leg. Nobody For two years, they couldn't determine what was wrong, why I was eroding uh, cartilage, until one of my doctors did a ultra-deep ultrasound and found a, a, a calcium uh, deposit, a bone spur, at the top of my femur. Well, they couldn't take it off because it was too close to my femoral artery. So now I have a wonky face and a wonky leg, and nothing's getting better. Nobody knows what to do. And there I am. So that was probably my low point because the face gradually got worse with the drugs that I was taking to make the leg better. So now I'm in full-on what they call, we've just learned, is called focal dystonia. And that's when your face kind of grimaces up. You may have seen it with some people who take schizophrenia drugs. And yes. the reason nobody could identify it was the only reason, I mean 99.9% .9 of the time, the only reason you get a focal dystonia in your face is if you are taking anti-schizophrenic drugs, narcoleptics, or psychotropics, of which I'd never taken a single one. So everybody said, we don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you, don't, you don't fit anything. Have a nice day. <laughs> exactly. And, and and specialist after specialist after specialist, there you were with no answers, uh, probably very depressed and frustrated and not knowing where to turn 
what happened? Well, you and I did Atherton and Young during that period of time, so you're well aware of the the problems that I was going through and not finding answers and dealing with the pain. And here's the one thing I know about me and I know about you, and that is that somewhere, somehow, we were born with a particular gene that gave us optimism and that no matter how depressed that we get, Somewhere we find some string of optimism that we hang on to and we're able to pull ourselves out. And, and so every time I would go and see a doctor and we would try something new and it didn't work, I would say, all right, well, I just need to do more research. So I'd go on the Internet. And the thing about the Internet was more and more things were, coming, were being put onto the Internet. So when I first started researching this, there was no research done at all on Cortez. By the time I started researching it four years later, there was finally some research that said, oh, Cortez may cause problems uh, like uh, blepharospasm, which is the eye blinking. So I just would dig in and say, let's, let's go find another solution to this. And I know you're the same way. Well, yeah, I think, I think we have to heal ourselves. I really believe that when we rely on other people, we're going to get opinions. But what we really need to find is truth. And that truth comes from the research we do, from asking other people, uh, from connecting with other people. I know, know there was much healing with connecting with you and your energy and your challenges, and we were able to share some of that and then go away and research our things and bring it back together. I think it is about community. I think it is about introspection. I know for me it's about meditation, and it's about self-care and not thinking that I have to uh, always run at a breakneck speed any longer. I can just do the best I can do, but right. I don't have to live with what somebody else's opinion is of either me or my condition. I must get down in there and root it out and figure out for myself what my body is trying to tell me. Everything is interconnected. Every, as you learned, one drug causes this side effect, another yep. one causes a different one. Pretty soon you're spinning out of control. And what we can do, and I think what you did at one point, was just to get off everything, sit with ourselves, go deep inside, and say, all right, let's take this apart one brick at a time till we get down to the foundation, till we get down to the essence, till we recognize our divinity, for lack of a better word, to, to, to find in the essence of who we really are and bring that spring forth. Allow that to come through us. Educate us, illuminate us, and mostly relax us so that we can listen not only to ourselves but to other things that then start to come into our life uh, that we attract. And we, we, will, yeah. we will attract the answers. What we don't know inside we will bring into our life if we can be still and quiet and soft. 
So I think that when we learn that, powerful women like you, powerful, you know, steamrollers like me, when we learn that, learn to embrace it, because it's very scary there in the dark, very scary there not being potent. It's it, You have to really just be able to surrender in the true Eastern Buddhist meaning of that. Just surrender, give it over, and let that information come to you. Let that healing wash over you. And I know that it did for you, and it certainly did for me. Well, and I think underlying that entire thing that you just said is that you have to take your health in your own hands. You can't just say, look, I pay insurance, you're my doctor, fix me. You have to be your own best health advocate because they don't have all the answers. And, you know, as much as they want to help, they can only do so much. So you have to be able to discern as you look at things. I I had one of the best. He was a, a, a DO, a doctor of osteopathy. He was the best because I would come to him with my new theory and I would say, look, what if, you know, I have this bone spur in my leg. What if I have a bone spur like in my sinus or something and that's what's causing these nerves to go? And he would look at me and he'd go, I don't think so. But if you want a face x-ray, I'll do it, you know. And so he would let me do whatever I wanted because he was at a loss as well. And so what, how I looked at it was each thing we did was exclusionary. Well, we know it's not that. Well, we know it's not that. And to go back to your point when you had asked about depression, I know I certainly had moments of it, and I'm sure you did as well. There are times when you have tried and tried and tried, and you're excited. There's one more thing to try. You try it, and it fails, and you think, I've got nowhere else to go. And so during those periods of time, and they weren't very often, but they did happen, I allow myself what's called a pity party. I invite Ben and Jerry over, and we sit, and we eat ice cream, and, you know, I cry and cry until I get puffy eyes. But I have a rule about my pity party, and that is it can't last longer than 24 hours. So by the time I wake up the next morning, I've got myself set on the road to try again. Optimism. You know, this didn't work. Let's try a new strategy. Well, that is so healthy. I mean, besides the saturated fats in the Ben and Jerry's. but. But it's such a healthy thing to do, and that is exactly the self-care that we need. And one person's self-care is different than another person's, and I think we have to respect that. Yeah. No, I think that's very true. And, you know, there is no one-size-fits-all for everybody. Some people learn best by hearing about something. Some people learn best doing it. Some people have to hear it over and over again. I mean, everybody is different, and and their learning styles are different. So, you know, what is self-care for you and and self-care for me can be totally different. You know, uh, for me, it might be sitting there watching a whole lot of Australian television, and that makes me feel good. For you, it might be meditating. You know, it, it, whatever works to calm your mind and, and let the back of your brain work. Now, you and I both turn our own suffering into something positive for the world. That's what we have in common. That's what we are are motivated to do. Now, I know that you are teaching now. You are using a lot of your motivational tactics. You're going out into the world. Uh, tell me about what you're doing and, and how you're helping people. Well, 
you know, um, I used to do seminars the first of the year called What Happened to My Life? And they were made for middle-aged women who woke up one morning and was like, what happened to my dreams, my hopes? And what it really comes down to in a lot of cases is dealing with the fear of risk because that's the biggest problem that so many of us have. You know, when we were kids, and I told the story of how at 17 years old I called up KHJ and said, I want to speak to the program director. Well, I would never do that today. And I stop myself and I think, why not? Why can't you risk like you did then? Well, now I'm on the other end of the pendulum, and I'm like, well, I'm old enough to do just whatever the heck I feel like doing, you know. So that's our biggest problem is fear of risk. And then our second biggest problem is strategies. How do we get started? How do we deal with challenges that come along the way? Because almost every challenge that you're going to come up against is predictable. And if you know it's coming and you prepare for it, like a hurricane. You know it's coming. You put stuff on the windows. If you prepare for it, it's not as big of a problem than if you just went la, 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 and traveled about doing your business. So I, I do some of that, but I find now that most of my work is in um, helping people with small businesses because so many people want to create their own life in business. So I do a lot of marketing, and I do a lot of leadership, and I do a lot of communication uh, workshops. That's what I do. But but sometimes people gravitate to me because they know what I've been through, and they're and they'll say, I I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. And you know, then it that stuff kicks in. Well, you you know a lot of to dos. You know a lot of shortcuts. You know a lot of oh, wait a second. If we just uh, focus on this, then we can get to point A to point B. But you also do it in a way that isn't, you know, strictly business. There's a human component to what you teach. There is a a love, a sharing of your heart. There is a an empowering that goes on. I mean, I've watched you in action, and I've been in awe of you. Well, you know, Kak, I think part of that comes from when I started doing the podcast again uh, in 2008 after I left the radio station, people said, why, you know, what are you going to, are you going to try to make money? Well, there's no money. I mean, it's just pretty much there's no money. And, you know, for me, I did it because there were so many interesting people out there that these publicists would come to me and just like your publicist came to me and said, oh my God, you've got to meet this woman. She's absolutely amazing. She's got a wonderful story. You need to meet her. And I'm like, okay, you know, because there's so much to learn and so many cool people to meet. And so I learn from each of them. And I'm not, I guess the best way to say this is I'm a cross between uh, an interpreter and a storyteller. Um, and, and so what I do is I take information that I learn and I interpret it in ways that people need to hear it. And a lot of times that's done through storytelling and experience. So, uh, you know, to me, I find that when I share a story or I give advice, I realize that I'm actually also talking to myself, that it's usually a piece of advice that I also need to hear. Well, yeah, that's that's the strange benefit of helping other people, isn't it? You all of a sudden get an aha moment and a healing for yourself. It just becomes so beautifully reciprocal. I find that um, a lot. And you are also doing folk tales. Now, tell me about that little project. Well, so 
uh, diversity is really important to me. I mean, when, when I was a little kid, I remember my mother often saying to us, if somebody who was poor walked by or if somebody who was struggling walked by, my mother would say, there but for the grace of God go I, meaning that we didn't have any choice in our lives. We didn't have choice where we were born or, you know, what struggles we went through, if we were abused. We didn't have choice in that. We're here. And consequently, that person that you see who may be struggling could have been us. And when you start looking at it that way and start seeing empathy, then you begin to understand that we are all, in my opinion anyway, at the atomic level, we are all the same DNA. So what you do to one, you're doing to yourself. So that's why diversity matters to me. And I was asked to, because voiceover, I love voice acting, as you well know, and I was asked to do folk tales from 19 different countries. And it was geared for a children's book of three to nine-year-olds. And I got to do a little bit of, you know, the old man said this, you know, and the young lady said this, you know, and then I got to do some Aussie, you know, a little bit of Aussie here and there, you know. Um, So it was fun for me to be able to do that. But it was important to me because children learn. They, They are not born hating people. They're not born being bigoted. And so if we can show them that people around, the children around the world and people around the world are all the same, then we have a better chance of creating empathy in children. And, and empathy, I think, right now is one of the biggest problems we have in this world, is that, especially in the United States, we seem to have lost our sense of empathy. Well, we have. We've lost compassion. We've lost empathy. It's uh, all about me. I'm a narcissist. It's all about me making money, and I don't care about what happens to you, nor nor do many people care about what happens to the ravages of the planet while I go get my right. gold. Yeah, so that's yeah. definitely the mindset. Well, Pam, how do we change it? Well, I mean, you know, I think first of all, and you said it earlier about self-care, I think that we need to find ways to remain optimistic in our own lives. It's easy to fall into despair and hopelessness. And uh, it's, you know, it's the default, right? Things are horrible. Things are awful. Well, nobody said life was going to be easy. You know, we face some dark times right now. And I think that, you know, sometimes I just have to turn off the news because it hurts my heart so much. But there are good people in this world. And hopefully together we can overcome these times and, and and write that spilled apple cart that we tipped that has been tipped over. So I think that's the first thing. And I think secondly, we need to find kindness and empathy in our hearts again. Everybody has a story. You don't know what people are going through. And if we start to treat them like our brothers and sisters or our children and and say, well, would I treat my child that way? You know, then I think we start to see a different sense of understanding. Um, There are a lot of people out there that have big holes in their souls, but you know what? For a lot of them, they're doing the best they can with what they have. We're not all in the same emotional space. There are people with very big holes, and they have to work on solving that first. Um, You know, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy, right? We have to take care of ourselves first, and then we can get all the way to the top of the spirituality. So we start by taking care of ourselves. We need to be kind to others. We need to, and we need to cut ourselves a little slack, right? You know, our pasts belong in the past, and we have this this 
thing where we keep labeling ourselves from our past. And I, I you know who Ice T is? You know the rapper, and he's also on um, uh, Law and Order SVU, which, as you know, I'm a Law and Order fanatic, right? Mm-hmm. He does a, a thing called his daily game, and he says, if you don't let your past die, then it won't let you live. And and what that means is you you're not denying that these things happen to you, but you have to stop blaming your past for your present. Yes, you might have been abused or abandoned or mistreated, but you are not your past. You need to focus on the things that you've learned from it, what it gave you, you know, the fact that you're kinder to people, that you don't abandon others. Um these things that happened in your past, they're, they're gone. You get to take control of your life now. You get to create your life, right? You get to design it. So to me, I think that's really important um, that we, we need to recognize that we have to take care of ourselves and, buy, and cut ourselves a little bit of slack. Everybody, no matter their walk of life, their their past, any of that, everybody has the power of choice. They can choose yes. what to think. They can choose what to do. They can choose it all. And so that, I think, is something that when we know that, when we learn that, oh, my gosh, it's up to me. I can choose the good. I can choose the bad. I can choose to be hateful. I can choose to be loving. I, I, I can choose that because that's my right. That's my right. And I I wanted to ask you in closing here to tell me what you learned from people like Buzz Aldrin and Ted Kennedy. What, What did they impart to you that touched your heart? Well, first of all, they're very good at what they do. And I find that uh, other than about two people in all of my years of, of interviewing, the more famous they are, the more competent they are at what they do, generally the nicer they are. So I didn't have to deal with many divas. There was no diva behavior from Buzz Aldrin or from Ted Kennedy or from Madeleine Albright or from Cher. You know, these people, uh, you know, they were competent, they were good at what they did, and, you know, they were professional. And I, I really appreciated that. I think the best thing that I can tell your audience as they move forward is, number one, success is defined as we choose it. Too often we let society define what uh, success is to us, that it's money or it's physical or tangible things. But not other countries believe the same way. So we need to define our own success. Number two, we need to sometimes give ourselves a moratorium on thinking about something that upsets or worries us right? We have a lot of anxiety. You can say to yourself, for 24 hours, I'm not going to think about this. And then when you start to, you go, ah, 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 wait, wait, there's a moratorium. And sometimes just that space of that time makes things settle down and you can find solutions. And number three, just because somebody says you're green, that doesn't make you green. Words are just words. They're not truth unless you want them to be. So I can call you every name in the book, CAC, but that doesn't mean that's what you are unless you choose to believe it's true. So that's the best I can offer for you. Well, I think that's fabulous. And now if people want to work with you, find you, talk to you, buy your things, invite you on on world cruises, how can they get in touch with you, Miss Pam Atherton? Ooh. 
Let's go on a world cruise. I would love that. Um, uh, so the easiest way for me is, is uh, by email because I travel so much. And so it's just speaker, like somebody who speaks, speaker at pamatherton.com, P-A-M-A-T-H-E-R-T-O-N.com. And CAC has that information as well if you go to her website, I'm sure. Um, and that's the easiest way to get a hold of me because I'm always traveling and I'm a late night owl. And if people want to hear your interviews, they can go to a closer look radio.com. Yes, yes, they can. And uh, I'm struggling to get more of them up there because we lost our first website and all of the stuff that was there, so we're re inputting everything. So, yeah, but there are some you know interesting things there that you'll find. And how about if they want to find us? They can find us at athertonandyoung.com. Well, you know what? I I unfortunately let that darn domain die, but you can go to athertonandyoung.wordpress.com, and I imagine if you just Google Atherton and Young, it'll take you there. All right, Atherton and Young, wordpress.com, and all of our crazy, wacky, Three yes. four years worth of weekly tips is there for anybody. If you need a little pick me up, what did you call it, Pam? Uh, our our four minute shot of motivation, inspiration, and I can't remember the other Asian. All right, I like it too. We have we have three things we'll give you. One of them's a surprise. Yeah. You have to go and look it up yourself. <laughs> and I think. Uh, I just, I think that we have a lot to offer the world. Those of us that have been through the scrapes, we've, you know, we've gotten through challenges. We've, uh, we've certainly had to figure out ways to get around obstacles. We've had to be graceful in times when we wanted to pop somebody in the nose, and we've had to (laughs) figure all of that out and heal ourselves at the same time. We pushed and pushed and pushed. Little things. And so then we had to pick ourselves up, rebuild ourselves so that we can be absolute rockets and dynamos for the future, but only in a different way. I think people who want to tap into our power uh, can have it and to learn by it and, and to learn absolutely never be defeated. Absolutely. Awesome. Keep optimism. End the show. That is fantastic. Thank you so very much. Uh, to both of you. Uh, I learned a lot listening to you, and I'm sure everybody who tuned in did as well. Uh, I will look for those websites, and I will post them in the thread with the announcement. Great. Thank you for having me, Tack. Well, thank you for being on the show. I, I loved being reunited with you, and I just want everybody to know that healing is an art, and it's available to anybody. So please, heal yourself, move forward, be happy, and enjoy, just like me and Pam. Yep. Thanks again, and to all who've listened in, we are going to take a brief music break. We're going to listen to Bone Post Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with Jerry Hochek and the Empowered Hour.
Hi, Hercules. Thank you for Thank that you fine greeting. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm good. I'm a little too busy for, for my taste, but that's okay. Um, oh, keeps me out of trouble. I will hand you the scepter to the show, and uh, I will uh, be here listening. Uh, have fun. Okay, don't go too Thank far. You. Okay, I'll be here. Okay, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on you. All right, thank you. So um, for anyone that's just tuning in for the first time or uh, haven't heard me before, uh, my name is Jerry Hocek, and I publish uh, a magazine which is part of a national franchise. It's called Natural Awakenings Magazine. And uh, I'll give you a website uh, later on if you want to check it out. And uh, Andrea, my guest tonight is Andrea Powers, of Powers Yoga in Bergenfield, New Jersey, and uh, she's also facilitating or hosting uh, a yoga brunch cruise around Manhattan Island, uh, and it's very exciting. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I think we'll talk about that first. What do you think? Sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm not a yoga person, you know that, right? Um yeah. <laughs> but this event interests me and I'm I'm going because I like yoga women, I like brunch, and I like water cuz I I told you before I'm a cancer water sign. So, um but I do like the river, I like the Manhattan skyline and all that. So, um I want to know what can somebody that buys a ticket tonight, because we're gonna we're gonna we'll give the URL now and then we'll give it later as well. Um, you have a, a specific one, right, for the for your event um, for your yoga yeah. brunch cruise. Yoga, yeah, www.yogabrunchcruise.com. Uh, oh, that's easy. Information, yeah, nice and easy. Uh, okay, yogabrunchcruise.com, everybody. And if you don't know how to spell cruise, it's uh, Try to Webster's Dictionary. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what what can somebody like me or a, or, or a yoga student or even a yoga instructor? I know you're gonna have like a handful of them there, right? Some some of the more kind of bigger names as well. Uh, yeah. Um, basically, a few yoga instructors, some teachers, some instructors walking around helping to assist people, and. Yeah, we have some uh, bigger names. Uh, we have uh, Jenny Kleiss. Uh She is the manager of Pure Yoga. And then we also just have Eleonora Zambadi. And both of them are based either at New York, New Jersey, but both of them are uh, New York City uh, teachers. Okay. And so me. they primarily work. So, so um I mean, I'm excited from the the images I saw and the write up. Can you um, can you give us kind of a walk through what what happens? You get there. What happens first? Sure. Um, yeah. Do we eat uh, first we or what? <laughs> no, we meet there at 7:15. Um, Any time between 7:15 to 7:45 to do a meet and greet. We meet people outside, make sure that everybody gets to the boat, and it's at Chelsea Pier, so we want to make sure everybody um, knows exactly um, where they're going. So, and then at 8 o'clock, we, a couple of the yoga instructors will be escorting the 
attendees onto the yacht. It's actually a yacht and oh. um, beautiful yacht uh, that we chose. They had a few um, boats, uh, mm-hmm. some a, a lot bigger. Um, this one's pretty big. It holds about I want to say about four to six hundred people, but we're not going to be um, having that many people on the boat because we want to make it still um, intimate and Mm -hmm. such like that. So then basically at eight o'clock, everybody walks onto the cruise and they get a complimentary energized drink from Garden of Life and they're one of our sponsors. And then from there, you'll um, head to your mat and I'll be opening the meditation I'll be doing the meditation, getting everybody kind of in the mood, set, mm. grounded, energized, awakened, and then the yoga teachers will step in. We'll do a, an hour yoga class, and then after that, we can roll up our mats and go to the second floor. There's three levels. You go to the second floor where there is the brunch, and there's an array of fruits, salads, um, muffins, bagels, and so, so a little bit of everything. Bacon, a little bit of everything. There's a cash bar, so if somebody really wants to indulge in having a nice mimosa, they can then head up to the <laughs> upper deck when mm-hmm. the class is over. Because there's three levels, so there's the water level. So each level, you can get a view of the the breathtaking views actually of New York City, stunning, yeah. and. Then you can go up to the upper deck that's actually all outside um, to take in some more of the views where Hoopgini um, girl will be up there doing her hooping and salsa dancing and such like that. And then we cruise around the city. We go to the Statue of Liberty. And then we head back and uh, back to Chelsea Piers. So the whole event is a three-hour event. And that's the Yoga Punch and Cruise. Okay, so um right. So I'm uh I'm feeling that someone such as well, a yoga student or even a, even somebody like myself or an instructor can mm-hmm. probably meet somebody that's kind of in a, on a similar wavelength and um so I'm I'm feeling like there's going to be some bonding yeah. going on. We're all going to be on a boat, Absolutely. right? And Absolutely. um go to a yoga event there's always bonding going on it's Uh because of the energy we set the tone um and you're with like-minded people as well everybody's there for the same reason and um a lot of times these events do attract as yourself new yoga um students students right right because it's not as intimidating it's a little, it's a, it's a lighter, it's funner, it's a nice spin, and it's a nice way to open up the door for people to try yoga. And it's geared for all levels, so you don't have to be advanced. Oh, You don't have really? to know yoga. The okay. teachers are very well advanced that we know how to um, adjust and give options for people. And, again, there will be other teachers walking around to help assist if somebody's needs an adjustment or somebody needs some water or whatever the case is. So you have good coverage. Very, of course. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah, no, it sounds like a high-class operation. I mean, it's a a yacht. It's going around Manhattan. So you're really tapping into some big energy here. you got the skyline right there, right? 
You have yeah. the river, which is actually an estuary I was reading, because it's pulling in salt water from the Atlantic, and then you have fresh water coming down right towards Manhattan from, let's say, New York State and, and that part of uh, the country. So um, it's a lot of energy uh Circulating around. I mean, just being out, just being outdoors. When I do my uh, yoga, I do a lot of events. I'll try to go outdoors, and uh, when I do my yoga hike brunch, we're outdoors. It's woodsy. It has a different, more of a grounding. This is definitely going to be a more energized uh, feeling. The great thing that we're doing in in October is because it's the calmest time. So the water is very still. It's calm. We're not going to hit up rough waters. The temperature is perfect. So you're not, for those who uh, we have two levels and two pricing tiers. We have a general ticket, which is at water level, and then we have a VIP ticket, which is on the upper deck. So those who are on the upper deck will be able to enjoy nice weather, not 80 degrees, 90 degrees heat, you know coming down if on them. October so like it, it can get that hot. And you're on right. water, so you're even tracking more. So October um, is probably the best time for cruising. So that's why we did choose oh. October in the first week of October, October 6th. And we are currently also offering a early to see package so people can right. save $20. The VIP package comes with a goodie bag comes with a raffle ticket. It comes with uh, our sponsors, our Kombuka and Garden of Life, and we'll have some other sponsors as well as uh, we get closer. Sounds fantastic. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier, and I, I want to touch on this a bit because mm-hmm. um, we're going to get some newbies over there from, from, this, um, from, from this radio show tonight. Because um, you. you mentioned earlier, it's for all uh, levels. So you you are um, presenting this in a manner where everybody can uh, flourish in, during these classes on the on the on the boat. Right. Um, okay. Even my uh-huh. classes at my studio. It's always all levels. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, but but um, so you mentioned earlier, and I I mean I did only I've only done a few classes myself over the years, not not many. It's um, I prefer to you know get my exercise through weights, uh, weight weight training, and uh, with a trainer. And uh, I do meditate, but I also understand that yoga is uh, in in a sense a, a meditation. Um, but um, when I was doing it in the classroom, you know, I was more focused on trying to kind of keep up with everybody and, and at least get the pose half-assed correct. <laughs> and it wasn't, in, it, I wouldn't say it was intimidating, but I can see how, for me anyway, but I could see how it could be imitating for people just coming in. And then you have all these seasoned, it's mostly women. So, you know, guys, take note. Um if you want to meet women, go to a yoga class because it's going to be pretty much no. all women. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but, but that's not why you're going there. So that could, <laughs> let's let's like after the yoga class out on the sidewalk, you can do that. Okay, so don't don't <laughs> let me put ideas in your head. But 
Yeah, but, I know. We can sense uh, that. <laughs> right, right. So, no, but it is a place where you can meet like, like-minded people, you know, friends, um, even a potential re- uh, relationship if, if, you know, if you connect with someone in that manner. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not like a dating scene. But No, but, so it's a spiritual practice. You're going there for yourself. You're going there to connect with yourself, your higher self, uh-huh. and to, you know, cut through the BS. Um, right. So whatever, you know, you want to leave all that stuff out the door because it's really Oh, I see. Personal. Okay, that's that's for the sidewalk yeah. later or or, or <laughs> yeah. when, you, when 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 well, when they kick you off the boat. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, after the last class 3 hours later. Okay, so <laughs> so um I got to ask. So I I could see how people might be intimidated, but that's not that doesn't happen in your studio. I know you you did explain that to me earlier when 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 we were chatting. Um, I think it was yesterday or whatever. But um, so this is a great way to actually break into yoga because number one, it's it this is out of totally out of the box. Nobody's doing or as far as I know anyway. Nobody's doing anything like this. And, um, yeah, not that. Uh-huh. Um, um, not not on this level, and maybe right. in California. Um, yeah. But that doesn't matter. No. Yeah, but that's that's the West there, Coast. But, we don't that they don't count. Right. So we're we're over but, here. But you know, touching back <laughs> just on what you were saying, that you know, just to let people know, and I always uh-huh. let people know this about with me. My first class, I was extremely intimidated. I walked in, and you? I was an athlete. I was a runner. Yeah. yeah I was no. walked in. I well, first uh-huh. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. until um, I walked in with sweats and orange juice until the yoga instructor kind of looked me up and down. I mean, this is 1990, California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Looked me up and down and kind of took my juice and handed me water and then came and brought me shorts. And I was like, ew, whose shorts are these? But, you know, no, I was like, oh, you're... this is getting weirder and Wait, weirder and weirder. You're joking. You're joking. No, and then. I put on the shorts, and I'm still kind of, like, freaked out. Like, are these his shorts? Because nobody talked or said anything. Um, And then I walked into the classroom. It was filled with really an array of people, Um, men, women. um, You know, first yoga was made for men. It wasn't made for women. It's kind of funny how it flipped around. Now all women do it. When, yeah, yoga was, um, was really... Uh, created for what they called Brahmins, and they were higher elite men. Yeah, Brahmins yeah. were uh, what? Okay, so they were just in a higher well, class, and I think these were the whole what? <laughs> philosophy. But my point is that when we went in, when I went in, I immediately went to the 65-year-old-ish lady thinking, like, she'll mother me or I'll stand next to her. Well, she ended up being, like, one of the best in the class. And I was like, holy cow, within – I tell my students all the time that first – you know, I did three poses. I did chair pose, eagle pose, door pose. I was out the door. (laughs) Door pose? That's not a real pose, right? Yeah, no, it's not. That's out. That's I, out. That's when you're 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 okay. So that's when you slip out, yeah, my right? My ego totally kicked in. I flipped in. I, I flipped out. I I had a yeah. meditation experience. I think I still had some Kundalini energy. I I was just really shaking uncontrollably. So I know that happens to a lot of people too in class. 
you know, but nobody explained that to me. So um, anyway, so I kind of took back my sweat, took out my orange juice. I kind of stormed out like, what the heck was that? That's not, what is it? I was like really angry. Um, More like, I guess it was the first thing that I've ever quit. It was the first thing I've ever not been able to wait, do. Wait, wait, okay. Well, I got to put this into context, though. Well, okay, but I got to put this into context. It was the first thing you ever quit because you're not, I know, you're a determined type of very driven person, like, you know, from what I can tell. Yeah. Right? Okay, so, so, um, but you've been, you've been uh, a yoga instructor. Well, wait, you've been doing yoga for how long? Tell, tell me again. Um, uh, I'm. I don't want to say my age. No, just kidding. I'm, uh, no, no, no. I don't I'm want to do it. I don't want your age. Uh, but how old? Well, I'm trying to figure out. I'm 47, so I'm trying to figure out. It's oh. been, I guess, yeah, like 27 yeah. years. How many? 27. Years? 27. Something like that. 27. I was like okay, 20. Okay. Okay. So, right. And you quit yoga, and you were intimidated in the beginning, but somehow you you knew something the was there morning, for you, right? Somehow you knew something the was next there. Next morning, I just literally the next morning I woke up. My first yeah. thought was, I have to go back. I was like, why did I just say that? But <laughs> for whatever reason, I, I mean, it was literally my first thought that I had when I opened up my eyes. So I realized intuitively, obviously, I need to go back. So yeah. I didn't go back. I trained myself. Um, I got some books, and I just literally started training myself. And mm-hmm. um, then I got trained, and then I opened up my own studio many years later. This wasn't like I didn't open up my home studio to 2005 so that was many years later I was really working more on meditation nutrition and such like that oh okay so you did work in sorry sorry I was doing more spiritual work um, than the physical so usually people get into yoga they do the physical first then the spiritual comes later I kind of did it backwards the spiritual first, and then the last piece was the the physical part, the asanas, the the poses, the yes, the routine okay. and stuff. Right. So you prepared yourself yeah. spiritually, so you could get the most out of the physical aspect of yoga as well. I think. Right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know all this, obviously, but yes, that's how it kind of played out. Right, right. Yeah, you just went along and you followed your instinct and boom, here you right. are doing yoga brunch cruise on Manhattan or around Manhattan on the Hudson River and you almost walked away from it, um, but it called you back. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, it called you back and it was meant to be. And so somebody out there that's new, that's kind of maybe looking at this looking at meditation, looking at yoga and thinking, yeah, you know what? I need something. I don't know why. I I need something in my life. I'm kind of lost. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Um, you know, my mind's chattering mile a minute. I'm, um, um, you know, my life's a little unmanageable, whatever. I'm not that healthy. You know, you know, a couple of bad habits, uh, maybe a little cigarette addiction or something. So somebody like that, that's kind of, you know, on the verge of some wanting to change uh, something and wanting to take on wanting to take on a spiritual practice uh, in order to I don't know expand their consciousness or whatever the hell they want to uh, attain you know whatever the goal is that's that's up to them but what would you tell that person what would you tell them that person that's just kind of um, starting to 
research, dabble, whatever. Maybe they're going to go out to their first yoga class. Maybe they're going to do your they're going to do your um, yoga brunch cruise the first time. Uh, maybe somebody listening from New Jersey or Manhattan or the vicinity. Or you know, you could take a train from uh, an Amtrak train from pretty much anywhere to right. uh, Manhattan, and probably you could take an Uber or, or there's plenty of good transportation, ground transportation mm-hmm. once you get. Into Manhattan Island. Uh, yeah, and this uh, is just one, the one class of many, um, too, that we'll be doing a series um, right. uh-huh. as well. Uh, this, okay. um, but that won't be that won't be till next spring. So I would jump on this cruise now. Otherwise, you'll have to wait till the springtime when the weather gets nice again. Um, yeah. But, you know, if somebody who's just starting out, I tend to get attract newbies, which I love because I get the honor of being the first person to kind of open up doors. Um, I encourage people to take different styles. Sometimes people go into one class, as myself, went into one class and didn't like it until I found, for me, because I was a runner, my muscles were used to moving, that vinyasa more spoke to me Um, and for my body. And then as I became more advanced or uh, practiced more. I hate to say advanced, but more, you know, I practiced more. I was able to hold poses. I was able to still the mind a little bit more. So I think people just need to try to, you know, sometimes it's the teacher. It's not even that they could be a fabulous teacher, but it's all for me, you know, it's about connection. I, I think sometimes people don't realize that, that it could be a great teacher, but you're just not connecting with them. And sometimes right. you can go to one person, and they might not even be, like, the best teacher and doing all the best poses. But you make that connection. One of my uh, teachers that I had in West Milford, she wasn't doing handstands, headstands, but she had one of the biggest classes. It was just the way she presented it as well and made it more accessible for everybody to do. And then some people didn't like her because she was too easy. So. Uh. I think you just got to step in, open mind. You have to give it time, too, you know. Yeah. The, the mind is very, very strong. <laughs> if you have an addiction, that's very strong. So people, I think, want you know, gratification, like right now. Sure. And yoga is a practice. It takes time. Some people get it right away. Some people, it's just they, you know, you know they have that mind and body connection. Some people take, so, you know, like everybody. You know, some people can pick up an instrument and play it right away. And some people like me have to forget about it. It's like lessons and lessons and still it's just torture. But I think everybody should do some form of yoga. I think everybody is also, even if you just do it once a week, um, and not for the physical practice, you know, yoga is just not about the physical. It's about the mental. It's how we interact with the world. It's how we interact with ourselves. It's what we put into our bodies. And like you said, and smoking or certain things like that. Um, and, and then you reach higher levels of meditation and breathing exercises. And there's so much to yoga. I think, you have to find the right studio, the right teacher sometimes that you just connect with. There's a lot of teachers out there now. Right. And when I first started, it wasn't that many. I had a hard time, I remember, finding, like, yoga teachers. 
right? Um, right. And now there's an array. The thing that's great. I think it's great. The more, the merrier. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that sometimes you know they, they it could get a little washed out with the spiritualism and um, right. the other parts of yoga because it really needs to be together as a component. Um, so, you know, for somebody who's trying it out, I would just say, you know, even if you do it at home, I think a lot of people do it. You know, what's great is there's a lot of online um, where like I did, I used to watch it on, oh, I think it was like on TV. There was like 30 minute videos until I felt comfortable. And then I stepped into a studio and then I found out that I was doing poses on but <laughs> but it means I felt a little more comfortable um uh-huh. right knowing what it was before I went in right um what? so right. yeah that's a great strategy people... that's a great that's for anyone out there it's a great mm-hmm. so you don't feel like the big newbie coming in right mm-hmm. so and who right. cares if you are I mean everybody starts out just think about that you know you never right. know I always tell people you never know you can go in and you're you're standing next to a teacher Right, you never know. Right. So you just want to. I always go in, kind of putting on blinders. Um, now, but my first class, mm-hmm. yeah, I was extremely intimidated. Like I said, I walked out. So mm-hmm. it's it, everybody, everybody. If they don't say that they weren't nervous for their first class, I'd be shocked because right. majority of people are, unless they were around it their whole lives or something. So just nice. You know, um, I think my fir- my first wrong. class was huh. I said just, you know, for people to know that it's totally normal to be intimidated or a little nervous. Anytime you try something new, I think it can be a little intimidating. You know, we're sure. worse critics, right? Yeah, we can. Yeah, definitely. We can be. Um, you know, my I was just thinking my first yoga class was at Starseed Yoga in Montclair. And uh, I think her name was, I forgot her name, Gioti maybe. Um, and I knew her husband after she passed. Um, I met him while she was still alive. So her and her husband actually brought yoga to New Jersey, and it started at Starseed Yoga in Montclair. And that's I they used to do a free class once a week, and I I was living either in Montclair or, Be- or Bloomfield at the time, and um and I went for the free class, and I I actually wasn't intimidated. I just I just um uh what would you say? I just really didn't know what I was doing, but uh, the ladies that were there, uh, they 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 gave me great assistance and they helped me get the poses, you know, at least half-ass right, and yeah. um, or if not fairly right, and I just I, I don't know it. I I didn't go back, but because uh, I didn't get it, I didn't really get it. I I I told you I think yesterday that um, I. I cleared the majority of all my whatever my issues uh, that I had from childhood and beyond and all of it, um, and then I started med- and then I started meditating <laughs> this on a regular basis this year, this year and for six years. I mean, I, I it would have helped if I was meditating all along, of course, but um, I was just. You know what? I was just I I like to do things my way, and it, it's not always the best way. Um, and and I do like to do it my way at every turn, if if I can. Um, and sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. I'm aware of that. But um, I guess you know, just li- live and learn. So um, right. But it 
I, I don't know. You know, I'm not the person to talk to about yoga, right but time. huh? Yeah, sometimes what? it's not the right time. I, I was saying sometimes it's not the mm-hmm. right time. You're not yeah. open yet, and maybe try it again. Or maybe just yoga's not for you, and that's okay too. <laughs> well, and that's possible, um, but, but I, I'm I not I'm not quite there yet. Like I haven't arrived at that point because um, I did have I did have a beautiful one-on-one session with um, an instructor that lived in Edgewater and and taught in that area and also did some classes in Manhattan, and um, and she was I mean from what I could tell she was pretty good, and she was actually Indian as well. <laughs> that helped. <laughs> I guess, or maybe, but um, <laughs> that doesn't make a difference, really. No, I know, I know, but you, you know, <laughs> you know the stereotype or whatever. So, <laughs> but, but it, it, it. That was a really. I, I got more of what yoga is, the essence of it, through that one-on-one, because it was very. It was a personalized experience, and um, usually guys usually men prefer the one-on-one because they uh, well anytime I do a, um, a one-on-one with a male the reason why they're doing it is so they can get in well the reasons why they have given me is and I'm not saying this is everybody obviously sure. but that yeah like you said it's majority of women in class and they don't want to look silly um, they're nervous a little, <laughs> so I'll get them prepared to get into a class. But it, I'm like, let's go get into a class. And I'm not ready. I'm like, yes, you are. You know, um, but and that's fine too. Some people just like one-on-ones better, and that's fine. And um, some people mm. like groups. So you know, you just got to kind of figure out what's you know what works for you. Um, some classes, like I said, are more spiritual. Some classes are more stretching. So you, you have to look what you're looking to get out of it and then start from there. Are you looking to become, you know, do you want to uh, get into meditation more? Do you have an injury? So, you know, you might want to go into more of a therapeutic style class versus a vinyasa class that's going to be very challenging and maybe even re-injure yourself. Right, so when my students come in, I kind of look at the person, and I base off what they need um, by their body type, their personality. If they are constantly moving, I'm going to tell them to, you know, take more of a hatha class to learn how to slow down. But that's where the challenge comes. You know, people don't like change, like, 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 right? So if I'm a go, 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 I'm going to like go, go, go. You're going to ask me enough, stop and hold. But that's where their learning comes from. You know, yoga really teaches you a lot about yourself, your likes, your dislikes. Things pop into your head. We're not used to being still. And if we are just being still, we're watching TV or reading a book or talking to our friends, right? So not too many times do we get to just be still. And a lot of things come up, and a lot of people, it's hard sometimes to handle all these things that may come up. Or <laughs> you may cry. You don't even know why you're crying. <laughs> but it's not really a cry. It's just like in a release. Um, so there, there's, you know, I'm obviously a huge advocate of yoga. I hurt my back running. I was a sprinter. I was going, you know, for a scholarship. And I had to find a new outlet. 
And, I mean, I couldn't walk. I was very young. You know, 20, 21, I was very young. And I had a scholarship and a sprinter. And and then, you know, I mean, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't walk from being running. And I ran. like I was like Forrest Gump. Um, so I ran all the time. And now I couldn't find anything to do. So that's how I ended up getting into yoga. Um, but it helped heal my back. Now, really? no pain. I haven't had pain in many. I mean, I couldn't even sit down in a car for more than 20 minutes. I couldn't go to the movie theater. I couldn't do a lot of things. It just was so painful. Wow. And and I was very young. So, yeah, yoga and Pilates. I have to give a shout-out to Pilates. You know, yoga really stretched me, and Pilates, mm-hmm. the core strength, acts like a like a uh, like a corset around my spine keeps everything so when i found the the space in between my spine my core kept it in place so it didn't collapse again oh uh, yes and then so, i've never done anything else since then i've only done yoga and i've never been stronger in my life i don't do weights i don't do i just do yoga you do only that's yoga that. only yoga oh only. that's not true and i just i do run now. You I still run? run? <laughs> huh? I, now I, 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 yes, I'm able to run again, even though they told me, like, I'm not going to be able to run. And I didn't run for a very long time. Um, but, yeah, I was able to start running again. And I do light. I don't do what I used to do. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, jumps and hurdles and such like that. I just run. I walk. I, I'm very um, cautious. I don't want right. to get re-injured. <laughs> Yeah, I, I run sometimes when the police are chasing me, but it's, that's not that often. <laughs> yeah. No, well, you, know, you could take the kid right. out of Bayonne, but you can't take the Bayonne out of the kid. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this sounds fantastic. Um, if you're thinking about trying yoga and you're in the Bergen County area, anywhere near George Washington Bridge or uh, northern I'm New Jersey, it. or if you want to take a shuttle over um you're in bergenfield and uh so they can check out your they can check out your studio website at what is it powers yoga yeah powers yoga we do a variety of classes um yeah powersyoga.com okay so powersyoga.com and then um, and you 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 do you do a lot of different classes. You were just saying so. Yeah, I please. Do. I do. I do a lot of different classes. Just um, I'm very creative, hence why I come up with these events like Yoga Brunch Cruise or the hike or um, Yoga Hike. You did right. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up in September 15th oh, and 10th. Oh, you have one coming up. Okay, and they could see all this on your website, I assume, right? Yeah, they can see all this on the website. Yep, yep. And okay. I just do that's... a variety because I've just learned that, you know, there's there's not one style that's going to fit. So I try to give my students an array that they have. It's like a little smorgasbord. But the, the foundation is there. The philosophy is there. The history is still there. Um, just a little variety so people it's like cross training right you want to do a different things with your body and with your mind so you don't get stagnant and you are always challenging yourself mentally and physically so yeah there's a couple of different classes there's aerial we do stand up paddleboard yoga uh during the summer obviously and yeah hot yoga flow yoga bar we have it a little you do bit do it all sounds like um, do it all. 
and that's Powers Yoga. Powers plural. PowersYoga.com. Yes. And YogaBrunchCruise.com. So if you're thinking of yes. checking out yoga, what better than a cruise around Manhattan Island on a yacht? So yeah. and a better way to try yoga for the first time, or if you've been doing yoga for a while, it's just a win-win. You're outside; it's beautiful. The yeah. weather is probably going to be perfect. It's your last opportunity, really, to be outside, be out in the water before it starts to get cold. Um, and again, with like-minded people and the teachers we have, are excellent, excellent teachers. So I'm really excited to have them on board with us. Right, and and I did notice. I got to tell the guys that um, the the last class I did was with that friend from high school. That that you know, um, he he used to create music for like commercials, and then he got into yoga. And um, and actually, a friend of mine who I met through my magazine, a new friend uh, who was hanging around for a while, uh, she said she actually took me to his class because she was. <laughs> kind of pushing yoga on me and even meditation which you know was fine uh so i went and guys the girls aren't looking at you at all zero they're focused on their yoga practice so there's no need to feel in- inadequate because maybe you don't have the poses down 100 percent yet um nobody's looking at you believe me nobody cares so, no, so you you go care. there and you do this Anything for you it's a spiritual to help you. what what's that I said, if anything, people are there to be helpful. Right, and especially the instructors. So they, they're going to make mm-hmm. you feel very welcome, especially on this cruise, yeah. because there's going to be a, a nice handful of them going around and, and just assisting you, make sure, making sure you're doing the poses, um, you know, more correctly and um, helping you with whatever else. Um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of support there. To, to make everyone's experience the the best it could be, uh, and a memorable one as well, because, I mean, the scenery is going to be there, the majestic. You, you're going to mm-hmm. see the cliffs from uh, from uh, New Jersey cliffs, the Palisades, right, where where the that area where the George Washington Bridge is. You're going to you're going to be looking at the um, skyline. Yeah, Hopefully, you'll have some good. The, uh, the other what's direction? that? Um, I'm not sure if we'll be going in that direction. Uh, Oh, okay, but, you might be going the other way. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, um, yeah. but you're going around <laughs> Manhattan Island anyway. So what's more majestic than than um, uh, endless skyscrapers on a little island? You know, in 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 Metropolis, right. it's, it's it's crazy. It's really, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like a moving. And, and then afterwards, you can go hang out in the city and and you know maybe catch mm-hmm. a show yeah, or have a nice really dinner. I mean, the restaurants enough. are. What's that? Yeah, you've done early enough that eleven o'clock that there's still time to enjoy the rest of your day. Um, you're we're in so, Chelsea Piers. There's so much going on around there. Um, oh yeah, and all those restaurants they have now. It's like it's right. fantastic. Um, there's just so much good food now downtown Chelsea, and uh, you know they they make these little co-ops where. So, so what's that? It's really beautiful over there. Yeah, no, like like these places where they have I forget what they call them, but they somebody rents a whole big space and then they subdivide it into little like almost booths where everybody has their little kitchen, right? And it's like you walk into one building or one, um, let's say, uh, one uh, space, and it's like 12 or 13, 15 different restaurants. Um, There's something like that. My my dentist is in Midtown, 
and um, actually not Midtown, upper, no, yeah, uh, east side Midtown. But um, uh, there's something like that there. It's just fantastic. And, you know, Manhattan just has the best food. So this is, this is uh, girls' day out. This is, you know, um, uh, mother, daughter, this, mother, daughter, sisters, guys, yeah, friends, yeah. Yoga. <laughs> guys, and then, yeah, you know? and then you know what? You could do yoga, and then you go, you know, you go have some drinks and just un, un or if that's what you want to do, you can unwind that way. Or, uh, you know, it's a lovely time for the parks, especially Central Park. You can have some good foliage. So really, I mean, this this can tie into your whole day there. And what's more refreshing than yoga and meditation in the morning? And get you nice and um, calm and grounded and also perky as well because you're going to get some good energy from this, especially on the boat with all that scenery. Right. And um, the weather's going to be good. It's probably – this is early, right? This is what, October 5th? Uh, October 6th. October, October 5th, 6th. So that's a Saturday probably or? Uh, Sunday. It's a Sunday, October 6th. Mm-hmm. And so that's powersyoga.com. And if you're not in the Powers. area, take a train. Get on a train. Get, you know, take a cab, whatever. Take a long-distance Uber. There. Yeah, just get there. It doesn't matter. It really is going to be like the yoga event of 2019. It, it really is going to be one of the biggest, bigger yoga events that's going on. It's new. It's exciting. We have great teachers, the food. You have a cruise. You have the Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's fa- fabulous. Huh? Yeah, we're all excited. You know, we partnered with Spirit Cruise Lines of New York City. We're all excited for this event. Um, we can't express enough how. Um, and the team that we have pulled together is amazing. And there will be more teachers that we're going to be unfolding. So just keep a lookout. Even on Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram or even on Facebook. And Instagram It's at Yoga, uh, Yoga Brunch Cruise. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash yoga brunch cruise as well. Yoga brunch cruise. Yoga <laughs> just brunch. Just remember, that. wherever you go, social media land, yoga brunch cruise. Those yeah. three keywords, and that's all you need. Yogabrunchcruise.com. I'm going. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have mimosas, whatever, um, after, after yoga. Yeah. And uh, maybe a yoga, nice Bloody yeah. Mary or two. Um, <laughs> And just to also just put it out there that if you go on Instagram, we're going to be giving a, uh, a ticket away. Uh, so there will be a contest that people can uh, partake. Oh, so that nice. will be running next week. So take a look out for that as well. Great. And then when are you, when's the drawing for that ticket? Uh, it's going to be, I believe it's going to start next Saturday. Okay. And it'll be a, you know, it's not going to be like a one-day thing. It's going to be um, for a few days, and then we'll we'll pick the winner. Okay. And where can they go to um, uh, to enter the drawing? Where? On Instagram. That's Instagram so, Yoga Brunch Cruise on Instagram. Yeah. At it, so the Instagram is at Yoga Brunch Cruise. Okay. At Yoga Brunch Cruise. At symbol. That's for you non-techie yeah. people. It's the app <laughs> or the email symbol at yoga brunch cruise on instagram Hmm? and if anybody has trouble they can always email me at hello at yoga brunch cruise.com hello at yoga brunch cruise.com that's a good good email okay so um 
I think we covered everything. So how much time do we have left? <laughs> I can keep talking. Um, not a you. lot, but um, <laughs> well, we can talk about my thing later. But you um, I, 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 let, Jerry, I'm on 10 minutes. It's circular. Yeah, yeah, I'll, um, yeah, I just didn't have a clock in front of me. Thank you, Big Ben. Okay. Um, so I, I'll just touch on what I'm doing, and you know a little bit about that because we've been chatting the last couple of days. And um, I think we're going to – okay, so I I talked about this with Hercules in a previous episode, but now it's actually really moving forward. So I'm starting a charity uh, that's going to raise funds, and I already have um, some, some uh, funding earmarked for me by a local bank, um, which they do a lot of – you know, community um, type work. So they do um, like to support certain causes. And the bank manager I'm working with, it's a local bank in New Jersey. Um, she is part of the Rotary Club. And I was connected to her by my friend Nancy, who I met at uh, the Maywood Pancake House. Uh, we've been we've been chatting because we kept running into each other at the counter over there. Um, and uh, so she connected me after I told her what I was doing. And so um, so all I'm doing right now is just raising the initial, whatever, $6,000 or so, so I can get everything filed, the 501c3 with the uh, federal government. And um, so I'm going to expedite that by hiring a company that um, actually walks me through the whole process uh, so I get it approved, hopefully the first time around, um, which isn't all that common because you, folks folks that work for the whatever government agency deals with that may kick it back. But anyway, so um, and what we're going to do with the initial funding that's coming in, we're going to um, film a documentary where I'm working with the healing community here in northern New Jersey, primarily Bergen County, New Jersey, and we're going to take one male veteran that has some um, uh, trauma. It could be some. It could be a mix. It could be physical trauma and and emotional trauma from you know witnessing traumatic events. Um, and we're going to we're going to do this with one male and one female veteran, and we're going to actually document the whole process. We're, I'm going to send them to different practitioners for for um different type of work uh trauma recovery work that that i had been doing i started doing that in 01 and then i kind of reconnected with that work uh in uh, me personally um in two when was that 2013 actually um it was when i had sort of a big shift or whatever you'd call it awakening i don't know but um, it, yeah. what's that? No, I said breakthrough, awakening. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I had just uh, whatever. I there was my life was just pretty crazy, and I lost a lot of friends. You know, young uh, teens, late we teens. We grew up in the same town. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I so at all that, of them. <laughs> Okay, so so maybe I should mention it. Maybe maybe because this is this is actually an in, in, interesting part of my story. Um, so we're Andrea called me one day and said, "Hey, I need some advertising in in the magazine and on online as well because we have a we have a pretty robust I website." I What's that? 
and which I never do. I never advertise. Yeah, I know you were you were activated to call me. So, (laughs) and then right because you never what's that? Yeah, no, you're right. Right. So yeah, I mean that's not the first time that's happened. I've had other people say I never advertise, but you know I knew I had to advertise, and I knew I had to at least call you and check it out. And uh, you know these other folks also became advertisers, and then we did. You know we also cultivated uh, a business relationship or friendship as well um kind of early on and um and then that you know we it we did whatever we were we set out to do and um so it's been great it's been great i've I've been meeting a lot of great people it's been over seven years since i've been um publishing this magazine and um there was another publisher that launched it and then sold it to, to to us to me and my partner and um so it's almost nine years in existence we have a pretty huge um audience in in Bergen County primarily and also mm-hmm. Passaic County, New Jersey as well, which is the northern northeast kind of hemisphere. Um northwest too a little bit with with Passaic County. And um so this I had this idea because or the idea came to me because I actually was able to heal, let's say, or clear or resolve um just a lot of I don't know what you'd call it, dysfunction, I guess. <laughs> and uh, a lot of unhappiness. You get stuff and I, stuck inside you. You get issues in the tissues, right? And they get yeah. like these, yeah. It's a, you know, yeah. I see our bodies as like a computer. You take in information, then you store it. Sometimes right. you don't take it, and you learn how to block it. But as a young kid, you kind of take in information, or you go through a traumatic experience. And the way that we survive is, you know, we have survival techniques. As we get older, we want to clear those. I mean, we don't right. need them anymore. They're only hindering us from growing uh, spiritually. Um, so, yeah. So right. that's what ends up happening um, energetically. And then I guess you went to a few healers to unblock that energy, that stagnant energy that gets stored away in our nervous system. All right. Um, right, it does. Right from the the shock. So picture. I mean, it, this works the same way with young children as adults. Only um, mm-hmm. with children, they're more susceptible to trauma uh, through physical pain, emotional pain, you know, psychological pain. And um, so, just to add a little bit of context around this. Um, so I grew up in a household where my parents were constantly fighting and, um, and it, it was just, it was transgenerational. And I, I do have some trauma on my mother's side that, that I was able to confirm. Um, my, my grandfather, um, he was killed by so-called communist freedom fighters, um, at, at the time, the, at the time the Nazi war machine was rolling through Europe and his brother was, it's the story fluctuates a little bit or uh, varies a little bit uh, based on who you talk to in, in my family, my relatives. But um, mm-hmm. he might have witnessed it, the ha- – I think he was hung or it was uh, – he found the body of his brother, was the mayor of the town. He was actually a pretty well-liked guy. He was a very successful farmer who taught advanced farming techniques to the rest of the farmers in the town. So he was revered. He was just, you know, he was a sweetheart. So it's just like kind of the whole traumatic, like, and then you coming wanting to work with veterans and um, do your uh, nonprofit organization to, does it all tie in in that way? Well, it, it, I have to address 
because how I learned about where the patterns came from um, was I started digging into my family's history by talking to I have two first cousins that later in life, like in their early 20s or teens, actually, they they came over and they they eventually both got married and they got citizenship. So um, they grew up around my grandmother and uh, the other relatives, which were mostly there in Czechoslovakia, or actually it's called the Czech Republic now, of course. And um, so once I did a little bit of digging, I figured out that um, uh, a lot of, I'm Eastern European, of course, so a lot of Eastern Europeans have that in their uh, family tree because of World War II and because of World War One, and uh, even Jerry, you know, the wars that came Jerry, before that that aren't I, well documented. I, have to, uh, Jerry, I, have to interrupt. Oh, I think Hercules is. They're going to cut us off in a minute. So, they're um, going to cut us off? Okay, well, yeah. that's not the first time I've been cut off. So, um, <laughs> all right. I hope you're feeling better, Hercules, and uh, let, we'll, we'll just pick this up next next month. I, it, it's nice that we gave uh, Andrea a lot of time to get into you know you. the finer Appreciate points that. of yoga um, because I think it's a it, you know what's the record it's going to be a great piece uh, to, to share educational and even promotional as well. So thanks for having us on, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Let's get yep, together thank for. You very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, thank you, Andrea and uh, Hercules. We'll get together for something or other, food or drink or both later. That was awesome. Uh, be well to both of you and to those who joined us from home. Thank you for doing so. Uh, until next time, this is all of us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thank mm-hmm. you. We're gonna get Hercules to be going too. Oh God. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.